Good morning, everyone. It is sure good to see you and uh, to be back on campus at Southwestern. It was five decades ago, at least, that I was here as a student, and yet uh, the memories flourish in me. And uh, so many times at a chapel service like this, just fresh encounters with the Lord, and the chapel is an opportunity for each of us, uh, not only to be together in fellowship uh, with fellow students, professors, school leaders, seminary leaders, but to be in the presence of the Lord in the midst of all of it. And uh, thank you, Dr. Dockery, for uh, your leadership, for the opportunity to be here today, Dr. Hawkins as well, uh, for your friendship and the opportunity to be here. And it's good to see friends from the reference board, as was mentioned, and we're looking forward to getting together uh, with you. We've got a group of uh, our interns from Prestonwood here. Raise your hand, uh, interns. There we go. So I kind of brought my own congregation with us this morning, and most of them are... Most of them are, are Southwestern students and uh, doing a great job. And if you have interest in being an intern uh, at Prestonwood, uh, we are set up, I believe. Where are we set up? Student Center. We're set up uh, with a table over there. If you'd like to talk about that, you can actually get credit uh, for uh, Southwestern credit for uh, Prestonwood internship. So that's a great thing, and we're very happy about that. And just the relationship that we have, uh, church and school, and churches and school, but certainly our church, we're so grateful for the relationship we have uh, with Southwestern. And through the years, that has been vital, and it remains vital. And uh, our confidence in our leadership uh, in, the, in the seminary going forward has never been higher, truly. And uh, we look forward to partnering together, not only financially uh, as a church with the seminary through our regular uh, giving to the cooperative program and Southern Baptist Life, but also over and above as we can give and support the seminary uh, in these days, and we have and we will uh, in the days ahead. Uh, and other partnerships, we're looking at wonderful ministry opportunities together as, as a church. And so uh, it's just good to be in the room with you and uh, to know that his presence is real. When we were singing uh, that song, that uh, Trinitarian-style worship song right there, it spoke of we glory in the God who is the Spirit. And I want to talk to you about uh, the Spirit today and the Spirit-filled life. And so turning your Bibles to Ephesians 5 and verse 18, and that's a familiar passage, but uh, as you're going there, I, do, I want to take just a moment, and I know you would join me in this, in just expressing our, our love for Israel and the people of Israel, and uh, in these days, um, our solidarity uh, with the Jewish people. Uh, you know that uh, God has chosen his people, and they have been given a land that God has assigned to them, and through the centuries, they have been under attack, even uh, before Christ and after, and now in this days with the terrible attacks by Hamas and other terrorist groups, we, uh, we grieve with those who grieve and weep with those who weep, and uh, we stand uh, with Israel. We have uh, incredible opportunities in these days to serve uh, the people, not only Israelis, but, you know, there are Palestinians who are caught in the crossfire of this. And uh, OS and I, of course, and many of you, Madison Grace, Dr. Grace went with us to Israel several years ago 
Uh, we have friends uh, on both sides of the political spectrum uh, in Israel. But uh, we stand with God's word that God will bless those who bless Israel and curse those who curse Israel. And while we're standing with Israel, we are serving the people. We have uh, partners in Israel that we are supporting and uh, financially and humanitarian efforts and along the Gaza Strip, along with uh, Judea and Samaria and Jerusalem and all the rest. But I would just ask you to continue to pray in this matter and to stand with Israel. This is not a time for nuance regarding uh, our, the threat of terrorism and the elimination of Hamas and the support of Israel. It doesn't mean when you say you support Israel that you support everything political Israel does, but it, what it does mean is that you support God's word and God's truth regarding uh, the protection and the preservation of God's people in God's way. So uh, I felt very compelled to say that today. I could say a, a lot more and have and will, but please be in prayer. <clears throat> we have <clears throat> a young woman who uh, was in our school. Her name is Meg, Megan Wagman, and she's been serving in the West Bank in Bethlehem as a teacher uh, among the Palestinian children there. And uh, when the, the lockdown came two Sundays, two Sabbaths ago, and they were told just to, to hunker down and to protect themselves, and of course, uh, she was so brave. She's 24. She went to our school. She served on our mission staff for a while, felt a call uh, to go to Israel and to serve there and to teach there, to share the gospel of Christ uh, there. But uh, as the lights went down and the lockdown came in, she literally uh, in Bethlehem was under a blanket hiding. And in the amazing technology that we have today, she pulled up her cell phone and she began watching Prestonwood service live. And uh, while there, and I happened to be making a statement two weeks ago on Sunday about Israel and our support and our prayers for the people and the Holy Spirit, who I'm going to be talking to you about today, ministered grace and hope to her in that moment. The next day or two days later, uh, it was really kind of a movie scene where they were extracted out and uh, she got out for a few days and then on to Dubai and then on to the United States. She's back and uh, safe and sound at our church. But when I spoke with her Sunday, she said, uh, I'm going back as soon as I can, as soon as I'm allowed to go back by the organization supporting them, her. She said, I'm going back. And I thought, my goodness, what, what great courage and what great uh, clarity of conviction uh, to go as David. I always, for years, I told the David and Goliath story, of course, and preached about it. But it was a while for, before I realized the little phrase in there when it says, David ran to the giant. He ran to the giant. And we run to the battle. We run to the giants that we face in our generation, whether these are cultural uh, giants or political giants or whatever kind of giant. And we must not be silent. We must be willing to be standing with the minority if necessary, even to stand alone if necessary in order to stand true to Christ, to the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus. And seminary, uh, the grounding, the founding that you have here and the fundamentals of the faith, the essentials of Christian living, these will stand you in good stead as you fulfill the calling that God has upon 
your life. And I look at seminary in my years here at Southwestern uh, as a kind of, if you will, spring training, being a, being a big baseball fan. I'm a fan of the Texas Rangers. I'm a little, I'm a little bummed about last night, but we'll, we'll come back. We'll be sure of that. But, uh, you know, one thing that uh, we've been reading about this version of the Texas Rangers is their, their commitment to essentials primarily led by uh, their great three-time World Series manager, our great three-times World Series manager, Bruce Bochy. There was an article in the Wall Street Journal about Bochy and the team and the rise of the team from, you know, the cellar uh, to near the top right now. And uh, they were giving much credit to Bochy. They spoke of his radical peace. I like that term. I think I'm going to preach a sermon on radical peace. Calmness was the word. Radical calmness. Uh, that he brings to the team, the locker room, the, the, the dugout and the games and radical calmness. <laughs> that sounds good in our generation, doesn't it? A radical calmness in the peace of God. But it was giving him great credit because while baseball is an era of a lot of data and uh, you know what this player hit from the left side, the right side, where he hits it, where to say it. There's a lot of good data, computer-driven data that comes with all sports now in playing offense and defense. But in the end, they say what sets Bochi apart as a great manager is the instinctives, the, uh, the gut feeling, if you will, his ability to manage a bullpen, and which is very important uh, in baseball, and his ability to, uh, to feel the game and not just always go on what the data says, but beyond the data, data to teach the fundamentals of the game. Now, in baseball, the fundamentals are uh, hitting and catching and throwing and running and doing that well. And regardless of all the data and computer-generated uh, help a player can get today, it's still all about the essentials and doing the fundamentals well. And so we're doing a series of messages at Prestonwood these days on these essentials, what we're calling distinctives for disciples. And as Peter says, to put everyone to remembrance these things of which we are spoken. And so much of preaching and teaching in the church today uh, is, is certainly bringing the Word of God uh, to bear on the future. But to teach people the essentials and to bring to remembrance those things that are the core beliefs and convictions of the Christian faith. Again, not without, I mean, not with nuance and nebulous, but clear thinking rather than nebulous thinking. And so we're taking some of these subjects one by one, and uh, I've come now to the work in the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the work in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You know that God is Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God is one, but he has expressed himself in three persons. Unfortunately, in some cases, the Holy Spirit has been described as the missing person in the Trinity. And there's a lot of misunderstanding and even myths regarding the ministry of the dear Holy Spirit uh, in our lives Sort of like the little boy, he was baptizing his sister. He'd seen a baptism at church. And uh, as he was baptizing his little baby sister, just playing church, he said, in the name of the Father and the Son and into the whole you go. So the Holy Spirit 
H-O-L-Y, is the key factor in the ministry of Christ in his church. And so I want to mention several ways in which the Holy Spirit moves in our hearts today. You and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and you. I will never forget, obviously I haven't, I'm telling you this story today, sitting in the chapel in about 1970, and a man by the name of Jack Taylor, a Baptist pastor, came to preach to us. There was a work of the Holy Spirit going on uh, in Baptist circles in those days, Baptist churches. It was akin also to the Jesus movement that was happening in the late 1960s and early 1970s. But we began to hear more and more about the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, OS and I actually had a wonderful pastor, Fred Swank, who taught on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So I knew uh, the truth of the Spirit-filled life and Spirit-filled living. Uh, and yet, it was, it was really a new subject, if you can believe that. It's a new subject uh, for many of us in chapel at Southwestern Seminary. And Jack Taylor, who had written a book called The Key to Triumphant Living, stood in front of a, a filled uh, auditorium. And he said, I know it's not, I'm told it's not proper or polite to ask personal questions. But he said, I'm going to ask you a personal question today. And I'm listening. So I said, okay, bring it. And he said, are you right now filled with the Holy Spirit? A simple question, of course. You might think a common question, but an uncommon question then in many ways when you say OS. He said, are you right now filled with the Holy Spirit? And I, I remember thinking to myself, well, I hope so. I pray so. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I began to learn in that era of my life, in that time of my life, the most important lesson I've learned in Christian living, and that is, call it what you will, the triumphant life, the exchange life, the deeper life, the spirit-filled life. But it is the life of God, it is the life of Jesus in us, because indeed the Holy Spirit indwells and infills every believer who will call upon him and and finish the command of Christ. Uh, and of the Apostle Paul, who says in 5.18 of Ephesians, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, everything about the Christian faith is a miracle, isn't it? From the Bible, which is the miracle book, God breathed by the Spirit of God, inerrant and infallible. By the Savior himself, of course, the supernatural Savior, the work of God in might and miracle in Old Testament, I could go on and on. The miracles of the Bible, what we see in Scripture, the Scripture itself, this is the work and the ministry of God, the Spirit, who in Genesis 1 moved on the face of the waters. He is present in creation, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is uh, of course, present in Christ, perfectly in Christ. When Mary conceived, it is described in the New Testament that the Holy Spirit overshadowed her and she conceived and brought Jesus the Messiah into the world. When Jesus was anointed for his ministry, the Holy Spirit, like a dove, descended upon him. Jesus was the most spirit-filled individual who ever walked upon the face of the earth. So the Holy Spirit 
is alive and at work in creation and in Christ and, yes, in the Christian, in the church. So the affirmation, if I could go back with all the data you're getting in class and, and, and the depth of study that, that you are getting in your life right now in your own discipleship, let me just get back to a basic in that the Christian life is a spirit-filled life. It is a miracle life. And the greatest affirmation of our day is the affirmation that his deity inhabits our humanity. Sometimes people talk today about daily declarations and affirmations and, you know, look in your mirror, tell yourself, I'm great, I'm strong, I can do this. And I'm I'm not necessarily opposed to any of that kind of self-affirmation, but I can tell you something better, and that is to look into your mirror, or better yet, in prayer, to look into the face of God each day and say, I am indwelt by the Spirit of God. Today, God's Spirit lives in me. Jesus is alive in me. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not I, but Christ lives in me. And to affirm that, yes, you are alive in me, walk around, wear my body like a suit and live through me and love through me and may my day be in step with your spirit. God is in me. That is a miracle. And it is a miracle that we should affirm always. And what is this power, this presence of the Holy Spirit, the enabling, the empowering of the Holy Spirit? Ephesians chapter 1 and uh, verse nine, verses 19 and 20, Paul is talking about this mighty power and he is ransacking his human vocabulary in, in words describing this power. And he said, and what is this power? this mighty energy that is working in me. What is this power? This same power that raised Jesus from the dead. The same power of God, the same power of the resurrection in Christ is in us. Now, we need this power, don't we? And we need this power in our own lives to heal our hurts, to renew our minds, to calm our fears, to empower our prayers. We need his power to stand courageously and confidently in a generation that opposes the truth and to fight with spiritual weapons in our spiritual warfare. We need this power in sharing our faith. Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. I love the definition of of witnessing given, given by Bill Bright, founder of Campus Crusade for Christ a number of years ago, when he said, witnessing is sharing Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. And so when in our witness, in our work for Christ, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And I keep reminding myself as I'm reminding you today that whatever you do, whatever you do in life, in work, whether you're preaching or teaching or ministering or studying, do it all in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. 
this power is available to us. So many today are living in our churches. Why are there so many defeated Christians? Why are there so many Christians who are struggling with with addictions and fears and anxieties and, and all the rest? Why are people struggling today? Is it because there is a dearth, even the death of preaching on spirit-filled living in the church today? Frankly, when I listen to a lot of preaching today, and we can all listen to preaching today, podcasting it and webcasting it and all the rest, I'm hearing very little preaching about the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. You might hear it in so-called charismatic settings or Pentecostal churches, okay. But in our Baptist churches, in our evangelical Bible uh, churches, are we relying upon the work of the Holy Spirit? Remember this. Christ is resident. The question is, is he real to you? Is the Holy Spirit real to you? This is not an option. This is not an option for life. It's not an option for ministry. It's not like an option you get on your automobile where, you know, you got stuff in your car if you've got a new car that you don't even know how it works. Uh, You know, it's an optional equipment kind of thing. But the Holy Spirit and the ministry of God in Christ, in his spirit, in our lives, this is not optional. In fact, as it is written here in Ephesians 5.18, to be filled with the Holy Spirit is not a suggestion, it is a command. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. You most likely know because uh, you've looked at this in the past. Again, I'm putting it to your remembrance that this is a continuous command as it is written, which means we must continuously be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why should we be filled with the Holy Spirit again and again and again and again? It's because we leak and we pour out in our lives the work of Christ and therefore I need to be, you know, there's a lot of talk in ministry today about burnout and burning breaking down and burning out. And there's a lot of people walking away from ministry today. And I regret it. I do. And and there are a lot of reasons for it, no doubt. But could it be that one of the primary reasons is, as I read years ago, we're burning the wick and not the oil. If, uh, If you've ever seen an old kerosene lamp, I remember as a little boy in Arkansas when we would have a storm when the lights would go out in our house, my grandfather would pull out an old kerosene lamp. And if you've ever seen one, you know, Google it, look it up. But, uh, you, you know, you would put the oil in and light the wick and you had, it was different than a candle, of course, but you were burn, burning oil and you kept it going. So that, that reminds me that in the ministry, we are to be burning the oil of the spirit and not just the wick because you burn the wick, you learn, you burn the flesh and you're burning it out eventually. Jesus said, without me, you can do what? Nothing, nada, zero. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is the work of the miracle power of God. And I've seen this in so many ways, in the sovereign work of the Holy Spirit, saving, sanctifying, securing, prompting us. You are here, no doubt, because you have been prompted by the Holy Spirit to be a part of this call of God upon your life with other Christians and and other seminarians, to be here. God led you here. What does Romans 8 tell us? As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. Most of the leading we get day to day is in God's Word, God's Spirit using God's Word to uh, prompt us to do His will. 
But I also believe in addition to the Holy Spirit, align, or to the Word of God, aligning with the Word of God, always, always aligning with the Word of God. The Holy Spirit will never tell you something to do that the Bible will not lead you to do. But it is in fact, when we are daily walking in the Word, Scripture says, let the Word of God dwell in you richly. Same idea as Ephesians 5, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So just as the Spirit of God dwells in us, the Word of God dwells in us, and walking in the Spirit is walking in the Word. The will of God is the Word of God. The Word of God is the will of God. And in the midst of that, the Holy Spirit prompts us when we're listening, when we are seeking, and He does things even when we don't know it. Today, I just want to tell you the story of Gilberto Corradera. Gilberto, right here, raise your hand. Gilberto, he is pastor of Prestonwood Espanol. And God is doing some amazing things in Prestonwood Espanol, not only in North Texas, but all over the world, in particular the Latin world, as God has raised up Gilberto in an incredible way. Gilberto grew up in Cuba. And as a boy, his, his father was an alcoholic and uh, a very tough upbringing with his father. His mother, uh, a communist and active in the communist parties uh, with Fidel Castro in support of that. And living in Cuba at a certain level of poverty. And yet, this little boy, by the Spirit of God, was invited because someone prompted a young man to invite him to church. I mean, what chance do you think that a little boy, a little Cuban boy, growing up with an alcoholic father and a mother who was politically communist, what chance did this young man have to come to Christ to begin with and then to hear the call of God? Well, he went to a church and he came to faith in Jesus as a teenager. And began preaching shortly afterwards as a, as, a, as a boy preacher, 19, 20 years of age in Cuba. God began to use him there to train other churches in evangelism. He, began a leader, he became a leader and a trainer of evangelism explosion, a great uh, witness uh, training program of, of, uh, of the past and somewhat today, I presume. But uh, anyway, he began training and pastoring and doing well, but God put it in his heart listening to the Holy Spirit to bring his family, his young family, little infant children, to America. He believed that God gave him a vision to come to America, and he didn't know what, but he obeyed God and how he was going to do it. He got to America. It was a divine connection between our Prestonwood Christian Academy and our leadership there that connected us with, with Hilberto and Gilberto got to America, and we brought him over to our church, and he was living with some of our members, he and his wife and his children, and, and uh, we gave him a job in the kitchen of the church. And Gilberto tells his story of being in the kitchen day after day, washing dishes, and looking up to God and saying, God, you put a dream in my heart Did I miss you is... Was this the leading of the Holy Spirit or not? Why am I here? Why am I doing this? And so day after day, he's just doing a little thing, washing the dishes and 
taking care of the kitchen. I don't even know what all you were doing, Gilberto, whatever he was asked to do. And discouraged to some level. Down the hall, we had a Spanish ministry at our church and a Spanish-speaking ministry, and it was frankly not doing all that well. And we were struggling and even having a conversation. What, how many years ago was this, Roberto? 15 years ago. I can't believe it. But 15 years ago, so we were thinking about maybe we just need to shut this ministry down and, and give it to someone else who could do a better job than we're doing with it. And our missions pastor came in to talk with me about it and and I had met Hilberto, and I was so impressed. And again, this is how God leads, just the prompting of the Holy Spirit prompted me to say to our missions pastor, I met a young man. I couldn't even remember his name. I said, but he so impressed me. I said, he's a preacher from Cuba. Let's give him six months with the Spanish-speaking ministry and see what happens. That was 15 years ago. And Gilberto stepped in under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit and took that congregation from just a few to many and reaching people for Christ. And I hear that story, and I can only attribute that to the miracle-working power of the Holy Spirit, prompting his heart, prompting our hearts, But this is how he leads us. The Holy Spirit prompts us. The Holy Spirit prays in us. Romans 8, 26 and 27. When we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit bears witness in us and intercedes for us with groanings that we cannot even express. And how many times I was with someone just this past week as a pastor, and if you've done any kind of ministry to the hurting, you know sometimes people are so discouraged and so defeated and despondent that they don't know how to pray. This was a cancer situation, and the wife was saying, I just, I can't do it again. I don't even know how to pray. I don't even know if I I want to pray. This is my fourth time to go through cancer with someone that I love. I don't think I can do it. I can't even pray. I don't want to be disappointed again. You ever been there? You ever talked to people who've been there? Sure you have. What I was able to say to her was, that's okay right now. Because number one, we're going to pray for you when you can't pray for yourself. But more importantly, the Holy Spirit is your prayer partner. And the Holy Spirit is going to pray for you and say what? Only he can say. So the Holy Spirit prompts us. The Holy Spirit prays in us. The Holy Spirit pours out his love through us. Romans 5, 5. The Holy Spirit, the the love of God is poured out from our hearts, shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit so that we love like Christ and we live like Christ. The Holy Spirit proves the message of God. The message of the gospel, Romans 8, 15 through 16. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. But the scripture also says that we can only say yes to God, to salvation, when the Spirit of God convicts us, convinces us, invites us. The Spirit and the bride say, come. 
It is the Holy Spirit when we preach and minister and teach that delivers the message, breaks down the hard shell of the human heart and brings people to faith in Jesus. This is one reason, and could I just give an advertisement for the public invitation? This is one reason in our church and not just in one worship on Sunday morning, but often throughout the week in personal conversations as well as groups, we are giving a public invitation because in that context of an invitation, the Holy Spirit can move in people's lives. And we see lives change and prompted when we invite people to Christ as the Holy Spirit moves. Just last night, we had we joined with students uh, in North Dallas and Plano in our area where we lived, and there were nearly a 1,000 students at an outdoor meeting, and the gospel was preached, and an invitation was given, and scores and scores of those young people, teenagers, came to faith in Christ. You say, you know, that's the work of man, but it's not. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit proves the message of the gospel, and then the Holy Spirit partners with his church. The Spirit of Christ works in his people. The Holy Spirit, I'm hustling now. The Holy Spirit preserves and protects us. He who began the good work in you will perfect it, will perform it, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He pledges our future victory in Jesus. We keep believing. Why do we keep believing? Because the Holy Spirit is pressing the faith into us, because the Holy Spirit is persevering in us. The only reason we keep going is because of the work of His Spirit. He secures us. He seals us. He stamps us with the image of the King. This is authenticity. This is anointing. This is affirming. This is what He does. He promises the completing to finish what He started. And do you think for one second that God is going to walk away from you, his investment for whom he died, the one that he gave his life, his spirit resides in you, permanently persevering in you, and he will never let you go. All the work of the Holy Spirit and more. So again, why do so many Christians struggle? Why do so many pastors and preachers, church leaders, struggle, powerless in prayer, weak in witness, often filled with anxiety and fear and depression and loneliness, people who can't break unholy habits and addictions, can't control the negative thoughts in their minds and their mouths, so little joy, so little peace, so little love. Why do so Many Christians fail to live triumphantly, victoriously. Ephesians 5.18. Live under the control, the domination, the dynamic of the Spirit of God in your life. Never attempt to do anything for him apart from his work in you and through you. As I've been doing this a long time now, I can tell you from that chapel service when Jack Taylor asked me and everyone in the room, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? It has been my daily desire to ask him to fill me and to use me for his glory. And after all these years, 
I basically have three ambitions. And that is to stay healthy, physically, spiritually, emotionally. To stay humble, knowing that everything that God does through us is to his glory and his love. To stay hungry, hungry for God, hungry for the kingdom and the work of the kingdom, for righteousness. And by God's grace, to pursue holiness in the fear of God. I have a long way to go in that area, I assure you. But we keep pursuing it. We keep going. We want to stay hungry. We want to stay healthy. We want to stay holy. Because there's nothing in the work of Christ in your ministry apart from the character of Christ reproduced in you. If you don't have that, you've got nothing. When I'm asked by young preachers, what's the most important thing in ministry? Is your character. Is your integrity. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, for your presence alive in us. We affirm it today. We praise you for your goodness, your giftedness to allow us to be instruments of the Holy Spirit, witnesses in the power of your Spirit. And Lord, I pray for maybe someone in this room today or someone listening to this message who was sitting where I was as a young student long ago and just being reminded how vital, how essential, how critical, how fundamental it is to be filled with your Spirit. May we never misrepresent you. May we do, never do anything to embarrass you, to quench your Spirit, to grieve your Spirit. But may we step by step walk in your Spirit as we walk in your Word day to day. In Jesus' name, amen.